Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. I'm excited tonight. So we are week two of our series called Word Changers. It's a play on world changers because if we're going to change the world around us, then we need to begin with our words. We need to change our words first. Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of our tongues. Proverbs 18.21, life and death are right here. Can we be any more crucial than that? Life and death. Plus, Jesus says we are held accountable for every idle word. Everything that you say that doesn't have purpose, that doesn't uh, construct or build or encourage, you are held accountable for. Yikes. Idle words. Let me think. Useless. Empty. Vain. Temporary. Non-constructive. Every idle word we're held accountable for. If we're going to change the world, we need to first change our words. We need to start speaking life instead of death. We need to start proclaiming life instead of death over the people around us, over our situations and our, and our uh, circumstances, and over ourselves. But what comes out of our mouths comes from where? Our thoughts. And where does the Bible say our thoughts come from? Our hearts. So what's amazing is when you said, Lord, my heart's yours then he starts to work in your heart. He takes out the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh that's soft towards him. We don't have power over our hearts, but we have power over our thoughts. You can choose what you think about. You can swipe left or right on your thoughts. Every time a thought comes in your mind, it's your choice whether you're going to entertain it or not, whether you accept that as being a part of you. And so you have the power to say, no, that's not me. I'm a born-again daughter, son of God. That is not me. That is not pure, holy, of good report, noble. We have power over our thoughts, and our thoughts will mold our words. Last week, we talked about how our words are like seeds, that the Bible talks about sowing and reaping, that whatever we plant, that's what we get back. So if we're constantly talking negative and and hate, and trouble, and stressed, and depressed, we're constantly planting seeds like this, that's what we're going to reap. We can change our attitude for better or worse through our words. There's a lot of words happening over here. Are they making things better or worse? God is calling us sometimes to a word fast. Last week we talked about self-depreciation. Wow, we're just beating ourselves up. We look in the mirror and I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not what God made me to be. We talked about like, God does not make junk. We talked about words that we slip into our vocabulary all the time. Words like hate or sucks or whatever. And how these words are just not edifying. They're not glorifying to the Lord. And then we talked about complaining. And I was on that soapbox for a long time. We're planting seeds constantly. And the goal Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. So I once made a road trip to California. It was not rare. I have some very close friends in California. And I got back, and by the time I got back to high school, 
I walked in and people were saying, Dom, are you okay? We heard about your car wreck. And I was like, I'm great. What car wreck? And in the, somehow the driving to California turned into one thing to another to another to the whole school believed that I had been in a car accident while I was gone. It is amazing how rumors can change. It's amazing how truth can warp and mold into something that is completely different from where it started. We could play telephone in here. It would be crazy weird. It would take us like half an hour. Proverbs 12, 18. If you have your Bible here tonight, cut the Bible in half. Go right. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like a sword. Thrusts, like sword thrusts. Wow. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we're, we're contrasting. There's foolish and there's wise. And the rash words are like sword thrusts. Have you ever like just imagined in your mind what it might be like to be stabbed? Like, can you imagine something sharp shoving into your body? Like the kind of pain that would be? It would be awful. Like, I don't even know if you have, like, nerve endings on the inside, but it's going to be bad. You're not going to be having a great day. Our words can be like knives. And what we say to people, about people, about our circumstances, can stab. And sometimes we get into a flow with our mouth, and we just start stabbing here, there, everywhere. We get carried away with our anger. We get carried away with our frustration. Our circumstances are overwhelming. And we just go stabbing. We're like a blindfolded kid at a birthday party with a pin the donkey tail. Just stabbing everywhere, right? Our words can be like knives. James 3, we're going to start in verse 5. Y'all ready? Y'all knew I was going to James at some point. So also the tongue, tongue, tongue. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. A cigarette butt out the window has started forest fires. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James is not pulling punches. He has something really, really critical to say about the tongue, and he's not saying it's a good thing. Set on fire by hell, a world of unrighteousness, staining the whole body. Let's go to the next couple verses. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, get this, we bless our Lord and Father, And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. I don't know about you, but I am convicted. How can I say, Lord, you are almighty God. You are the creator of all that is good. And then turn around and slander or say something bad about any part of his creation or anyone. How can my mouth be so divided? How can my heart be so sick? It's a restless evil, staining the whole body. 
If you want to test your spiritual maturity, where do you rate on the scale? Check your words. Your words as a Christian will give away your Christian maturity. What have you been talking about today? Just in the last half hour. What have your conversations been about? How about at school earlier? What did you talk about? What did you talk about in the hallways, the locker room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Where would you feel like you rated on that maturity scale if your words were the evidence for you? I don't know about you, but again, convicted. Like 10 minutes out, like before service started, I'm talking with Zachary and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking about this. And I'm standing here like my mouth getting me in trouble. Thank you, Zachary. You know, back when I was in high school, I mostly talked about myself. I made things mostly about me. And you know what? When I did talk about somebody else, it was usually derogatory, sexualized, garbage, trash, rumors. My maturity spiritually, I love Jesus. But I'm telling you, my maturity was on the low end of the scale. Maybe you relate to me. Because that was me. Colossians 3.8. We're going to pull our, our three points out of this. Colossians 3.8. It's okay. I, I don't think I sent it to you. My bad. It's okay. I can get there fast. Colossians 3.8. But now you yourselves are about to put off all of these. You ready? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Whoa. Let's read that again. These things are coming out of our mouths. You ready? But now you yourselves are to put all of these off. These things that are coming out of your mouth. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language are all coming out. So we're going to pull three of these things. We're going to pull out our gossip, we're going to pull out our, our filthy language, and we're going to pull out our anger. These three things get us in so much trouble. So those are our three points. Y'all ready? You go on this rabbit trail with me? Elevate? Jesus! All right. It's amazing that we weave stories into everything. Every, like the best commercials are the ones that have stories, right? Like, how many Super Bowl commercials that we love have, like, teeny tiny little stories in them? Everything revolves around stories. It started around campfires and caves forever ago, and we're still telling stories. Every TV show, every movie, half the songs, most country songs, revolve around a story of some kind. Because interesting characters plus conflict equals an interesting story. Right? Any literary people in here? Characters plus conflict. Story. And so whenever we have conversation, we love to bring about characters, conflict, to build a good story, right? We do that all the time. Often, it rolls into gossip, where we're giving information about another situation, about another person that we don't necessarily have license to. It's usually not great news, because good news travels like really fast, and it's really... It's almost gratifying to share bad news with somebody else. Oh my gosh, this terrible thing happened with this person. Have you not heard about it? I get to tell you. And it could be bad, it could be terrible, it could be maybe tragedy that happened in their life, it could be something they did, it could be something that happened to them, and we get this like gratification from sharing this information. 
I don't want to harp on it too long, but I'm going to give you three indicators that it might be gossip. Are you ready? Maybe maybe you don't want to make eye contact with me, right? Okay, indicator number one, and this one's really easy to get around. We justify so well. Indicator number one, is it true? And we're like, well, of course it's true. I wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't true. I'm not like going around intentionally lying to anyone. You know, like so-and-so, so-and-so, brother, sister, friend, who knew so-and-so and so-and-so, brother, sister, friend's dog, gave me this absolutely accurate information, and I know that none of them would be changing any facts and details, so I'm definitely offering God's honest truth right now. Dominic Ferron was in a car wreck. <laughs> Is it true? So we're really good at justifying. We're like, yeah, it's, it's true. We, uh, yeah, definitely. Number two, here's where it actually gets really sticky. Is it necessary? to be told. Ooh, well, there goes 90% of my conversation. Is this information about the other person, about another situation, their life, whatever, is it necessary to be told in this setting? Yikes. Okay, well, that <laughs> makes things difficult. Number three, and this is the best one because we cut through the rules and we get right to heart, is sharing this information in their best interest. Do we love them enough to run our mouth through the filter of, is this in their best interest? Because there's times we have to say something pretty tough within the right setting and the right context. When if you need to go to a boss and say, look, this other employee is causing some problems, that's different than I've got news to share. Are you following me a little bit? We're kind of on the same page. Sometimes we do have to share very difficult things. But if we look through these three super simple things, we can filter out most of what is actually derogatory, most of what does not belong to us. We don't have license to this information. We just have, I don't know, some sort of pirated license so that we get the, yeah, this is fun, sharing of information, right? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it in their best interest. The names that I'm bringing up, the people that I'm talking about, is it in their best interest that I share this with those that I'm looking at, texting about social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. True, necessary. I want you to remember this. Great minds talk about creative ideas. Average minds talk about things. Small minds talk about people. If you put two thinkers in a room, they're going to have the best conversation. And they're going to come up with solutions. They're going to come up with ideas. They're going to be like all over the place. But you two put two small-minded people in the room, and they have nothing better to talk about than you. Don't forget, if you're listening to somebody's gossip, they're also willing to gossip about you when they're not talking to you. If you're willing to gossip, there's just no bounds. What if we changed how we thought a little bit? We have so much negative information. The news is negative, and there's always something going on, and high school by itself is just ridiculous. What if we became people that just started believing less negative about other people and situations? It's, it's fast, and we're, we're quick to believe the negative that we hear about somebody, 
we're so much faster than believing something positive, right? How often do we hear something and we just go, no, I don't believe that is true. We're like, what? I can't believe they would do that. Really, then you should probably start with beginning that. I don't believe that it's true. What if we became the believing the best squad? Let's start a club. Let's start the club of we're going to hear information. We're just going to believe the best about people. We're going to believe the best about the situation, about the teacher. We're going to believe the best about mom or dad or this friend or this enemy, this person that you don't like. What if we just started treating people more like Jesus and believing the best in them? The kind of Jesus that hung on a cross that looks at the people that nailed him there and say, God, you know what? When it comes down to it, they don't even understand what they're doing. That's, that's believing the best in people. That is starting off saying, I believe that you, whether I like you or not, are a son or daughter created by God with a purpose that may be better than what you're doing right now, but I see more in you. And I'm going to begin there. Believe in the best squad. I think that should be elevate. I think when someone comes in those doors, their reputation from school should drop off out in the street. I think when you get to school tomorrow, all that baggage that you've been carrying, that light that you see people in, maybe you ought to pray tomorrow morning about taking some glasses off because you've been painting people with a negative light ever since that thing happened or you heard that thing or whatever way back when. Maybe we need to start seeing people like Jesus sees them, that you're never going to lock eyes with someone that he doesn't love, that he didn't die for. Do you realize what I'm talking about here? Let's start believing the best in people. Let's start actually being people of Christ that turn the other cheek and say, you know what? Hate me. I'm called by the Lord to love you. Be my enemy. I'm called by the Lord to do good for you. And you know what? Maybe our actions need to begin with our words when we're doing good, when we're loving our enemies. Words are like knives and we're stabbing all the time and we just disguise it in a good story of characters in conflict. The second thing is corrupt talk. Ephesians 4, 29 through 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Wow. Are the things that we, are the things that you said today giving grace to the people that heard you say them? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Wow, did you catch that? Whenever our words aren't constructive, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is hurting inside of us. Whenever we're bad-mouthing somebody else, whenever we're using corrupt talk, I'm about to define that. Maybe different than what you think. Let it not come out of our mouth. So many times we open our mouth and we're like, get back in there. That's because our thoughts are already corrupt before it even came out. God's working in here. We need to start working up here too. Ephesians 5, 3 through 4. Check this out. He opens talking about sexual immorality. This is really interesting. Follow me. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you, as is proper among saints. Now then he changes gears. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be Thanksgiving, praise. So he is linking together 
impurity and sexual sin with the stuff that comes out of our mouths. So we are in a context here of filthiness and foolish talk. Maybe some of the stuff that I was talking about in high school. So when we talk about corrupt talk, let's, let's look at a wide breadth of it. We're talking about bad-mouthing people. We're talking about garbage senses of humor and telling jokes. Like, believe it or not, he talks about that. He's like, hey, don't let this harsh humor come out of your mouths. It is, we like to say it's a guy thing, but guys tear each other down in humor all the time. Well, it just means that we're good friends. But are we supposed to bring grace to the hearer? Are we supposed to be lifting up and not putting down? Are we supposed to be speaking life and not death? Jesus doesn't joke like that. When he was rubbing elbows with the disciples, maybe he was arm-barring them around the campfire and stuff, but I can tell you what it wasn't coming out of his mouth. He was not using humor to insult people. I'm just joking, you know. That's not the Jesus that we read about. We have to be careful the kind of humor that we use because we are speaking death. We're planting seeds. We're walking around with the knife of our mouth and we're just stabbing. Corrupt talk. What are all the times, maybe you could throw profanity under this. I'm not really heavy on like, like I feel like there's so many deeper things, but I think our profanity comes out of our heart too. Because we, we don't have the vocabulary or the peace inside to find words, so we just spout whatever comes out. And all that's left is what's crude and lewd and garbage. Corrupt talk. Can you go back to Ephesians four twenty nine or Ephesians? I'm sorry, Ephesians five three through four. Boy, foolish talk, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking that are out of place. What do we say that's foolish all the time? How do you talk about your teachers? Not all of them, just that one. How do you talk about them? How do you talk about your mom when she's really just, you know, that? How about the person that talks bad behind your back? How do you talk about them? What about your boss? We have to be so careful. I love this. Ira Gasson, she says, be careful of your thoughts. They may become words at any moment. We can swipe left or right on our thoughts. We can accept them or deny them. Matthew 15, 17 through 19. All right, so what do we talk about? Don't you see that whatever goes into your mouth passes in the stomach and pooped out? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. I thought we were talking about the mouth. These are physical actions, right? But I promise you, between the heart and the action, it came out of the mouth first. We have to be careful what comes out of our mouths because that's that corrupt talk that gets us in trouble all the times. All the times? So how do we talk to each other? How do we... What should come out of our mouths? First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another 
and build one another up just as you're already doing. Hey, Paul got to write a letter to people that were doing it right. Encourage one another. Build each other up. This is how we talk to each other. Guys, let's get it right. We encourage each other. If we genuinely care about people, let's do some word changes. Let's switch from death to life. Girls, I'll leave you guys to talk to your girl leaders. That's scary. I I can't get in that. (laughs) Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Wait, wait, don't miss this. Lifting each other up and encouraging each other, changing our words, actually protects the person that's listening to us from sin. When we start cutting people down, when we start using like garbage humor, when we start talking bad about people, to people, whatever, we are endangering them of falling into the deceitfulness of sin. That's kind of crazy. You have the power to give life or death in your words. Words are like knives. The third one, angry, angry speech. Proverbs twenty nine eleven. Can't get any more straightforward than this. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Y'all are so fast. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. You guys are like, dang, I'm a fool. Like, how many times does something, somebody cut you off on the road? Those of you who drive, those of you who shouldn't be driving, don't do that. How many times does someone get on your nerves, you get angry, a circumstance, and you're just like, blah, 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 I can't believe this. They're so terrible. They suck, and life sucks, and everything's terrible and bad. And, and we just, blah, and then everything that comes through our minds, everything that we're feeling, everything that our heart is saying just becomes this roller coaster of, out of our mouth. Doesn't that happen? Because a fool gives full vent to their feelings. Remember what spiritual maturity is? It's not being controlled by our feelings and circumstances, but being controlled by the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's spiritual maturity. And so whenever we get caught up in this roller coaster of everything coming out that we feel, we just stepped off a slippery slope of spiritual maturity. But a wise man quietly holds back. A wise man can sit back and go, mm-hmm, okay. Jesus, you're in control. You have them in your hands. You have me in your hands. And I trust you. It's okay. Man, we have an awesome God. James 1, 19 through 20. You're getting a lot of scripture tonight. I threw a lot of verses in after I sent them their slides. This is not their fault. James 1, 19 through 20. So then, my beloved brethren, that's us, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, Dom, is is anger wrong? No. If you are functioning with an anger that is aligning with what God is angry at, man, you're a soldier. But I can promise you, 99 times out of 100, our anger is because of our circumstances and our feelings, and we didn't like what happened, and we didn't get our way. And the wrath of man is never going to bring the righteousness of God. A Spanish proverb goes like this. Don't speak 
unless you can improve the silence. If what is about to come out of your mouth is just going to be corrupt, angry, complaining, stress, better to be silent. Don't speak unless you can improve the silence. But those angry feelings are part of life. Trouble is a part of life. Stress and problems happening, things happening to us, are causing our own problems happen to us. So what do we do? Every one of these is an opportunity for the enemy to get in and get you. Because if he can destroy your attitude, he can destroy the blessing God has coming. If he can tear you down, he can get you to tear the people around you down. And you're just knifing every direction. Let's start praying about what God does in our hearts. Let's start dealing with what's going on in our heads. And whenever that anger starts to creep up and you're about to open your mouth, let's retrain our brains to start thinking, you know what? Devil, you lose. I am staying peaceful. Boss, say what you got to say. <laughs> Devil, you lose. I'm staying peaceful. I'm holding it together. Because I'd rather be the wise guy that holds back than the foolish guy that just vents garbage. You lose, devil. I'm staying peaceful. You know there's ten commandments, right? You all remember the third one? You probably never thought of it this way before. The third one is, don't take the Lord of your God's name in vain. And you're all like, oh, I'm not supposed to say God when I stub my toe. Ah, rats. What do I say? Gosh. Cheese and crackers, that was terrible. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Did you ever think about those words? Take as in to carry. I'm not going to carry God's name in vain. What about that twist on how we read it? Think about this. When God gave you new life, he called you son and daughter, and he put his name on you. And we walk out into a world carrying the name of the most high God, holy and righteous, just and set apart above all of creation, the king of kings, our dad. And we walk out with his name on us, walking in his glory and holiness through Jesus Christ, allowed to step into the holiness of holies, and then we open our mouths, and everyone looks and says, so that's what your God's like. We carry his name in vain so often whenever our actions and our words do not line up with who our God is. It begins here. What's coming out of our mouths? We should not take the Lord God's name in vain because we are carrying it for worthlessness, worthlessness all the time. How do people at school see you? How do people at school hear you? Are we carrying the Lord's name in vain? When our conversations are full of gossip and corrupt speech and anger, we are carrying the reputation of the God that we love and serve. All right, so let's flip the script. Man, Dom, you're negative. Let's... What do we fill our mouths with? You ready? You're not going to be shocked. 
Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What if every complaint was instantly replaced with gratefulness? How would that change our whole lives? Instead of saying, I can't believe I have to get up at 5.30 tomorrow morning. That's so early. What if before that got out of our mouths, we rerouted it and said, I get to be up before the sun and I get to praise the name of Jesus as the day begins. I get to start my day. You know how many people I can pray for between 5.30 and 8 when I'm out, I have to start at work? This is going to be awesome. What if instead of thinking, I can't believe I've got to go and do homework for this class. That is going to tear me up. What if you said, I am more than a conqueror. God made this brain. He's going to give me help in it. And you know what? We got this, Lord. It's me and you. We're building problem solving. What's the point of that class? I don't know. It's building problem solving. What if we changed? Every time a complaint came into our brains, what if we changed it with a complaint? What if every time you thought something negative about someone before you opened it up with gossip or slander, what if you replaced it, ouch, with a compliment about that person? Oh, that person. It's crazy how often they show up to church. They're so faithful. Man. What if we started replacing our words with thankfulness? What if every time we had this thing that met us, that stresses us out, we started turning to the Lord and going, thank you, Lord, that you're in control. You have this. You have me. And you know what? You're going to get me where you want me when you want me there, and I trust you. Thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign over the situation. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in this. Thank you, Lord, for the storm because of what you're doing in me so that you can show yourself glorified. Thank you, Lord. Let's start switching our slander and our complaining and our foolish talk and corrupt talk with thankfulness. Let's start replacing it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything to the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The second thing, John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is Jesus talking. The words that I've given to you are spirit and life. What? That's great. So whenever we open up his word, we can start speaking through the Holy Spirit and speaking life. We turn to the scriptures. What do we fill our mouths with? When's the last time you memorized a single Bible verse? What if you memorized two that like totally were awesome for you. And every time you came up against that circumstance or that person or whatever, in your mind, you started replacing your thoughts with scripture. It would revolutionize your world. And I promise you that if you will say, Lord, I'm growing in learning to memorize. Notice I didn't say I stink at memorizing. I'm terrible changing it, right? Lord, I'm growing in memorizing and having to turn to you more often to memorize, I bet you he'll meet you there. And I bet you it'll start coming smoother and smoother the more effort you put into it. And if we start replacing all that corrupt talk in our heads, all that complaining, all that gossip with what the Word of God says, it will change your world. You're going to start approaching life differently. And when you start coming into life more positively, and you start taking on circumstances more positively through what God says about them, 
you're going to be a happier person. The people around you are going to be much happier too because they're not having to listen to all that stress and garbage and wondering if you're talking about them to somebody else the way you are to them about somebody else. Did y'all follow that? Let's speak scripture. Words are seeds that we're always planting and we will reap them back. Words are also like knives. And we just go stabbing around all the time. Let's start praying that the Holy Spirit is going to start working in here so that we can work up here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for an amazing camp roster tonight. I can't wait to go and be in your presence with such a cool crew. Lord, I pray that you make us a believing the best squad. That we start seeing people through your eyes and hearing through your ears so that we'll start speaking with your mouth. Lord, make our hearts and our mouths an altar and that everything that we put on that altar bring glory to you. Thank you, Lord, for Elevate. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here tonight, whether they're new or veterans. You're awesome, God. In Jesus' name, amen.